Greetings, Internet! Welcome to episode number 160 of Mike and Matt's Fantabulous Comic Watchers show, patent pending. Um, I'm Matt, this is Mike. We're here this week to talk to you about comics and um, pop culture and politics and apparently baseball, because apparently baseball is going to happen at some po- for some reason. Uh, Mike has his, his pinky up and his cubby ca- glass and... Um, you know, um, Mike, you're originally from Missouri. No, I was under the impression you would be a St. Louis fan. Okay. That's one way to get me to quit uh, Comic Watch uh, altogether. No, no, no I'm no. actually, I, I only lived in the uh, show me state for like um, year and a half, maybe two years. Okay, I'm okay. From, I'm originally from Norfolk. Oh. So I'm originally from the East Coast, soggy, rainy. London-esque East Coast. So, you're a Cubbies fan, naturally. Yeah, yeah, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, just growing up watching um the uh, the Superstation, TBS Superstation. Yeah. So, yeah, WGN. So, it was just uh, everything was like Cubs and Braves. So. That makes sense. Yeah. So, but I mean. You know what this this is a this is a big day obviously mm-hmm. for a baseball fan because uh, the the lockout. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, Mike, you know a lot more about baseball stuff than I do, but uh, yeah. you you should probably explain this one. Well, it was just it was um, the collective bargaining agreement expired, and so it was that classic back and forth between teams and owners um, and about um, oh what's the word I'm like salary caps and stuff like that. But a lot of times. But a lot of things it was um, there were some rule changes that they were kind of going back and forth on. So, so what made this different from the actual strike in '95? Oh, God. because well, for one thing, this actually resolved a lot faster. And right, well, that, that was it was kind of like the stalemate because that was right around the time, and I believe that is right around the time where they wanted the salary cap lifted to where well, not this. It's kind of like they wanted the salary cap lifted a little like the ceiling lifted mm-hmm. and then also they wanted the guaranteed money worked in oh, okay okay so like unlike so say like bobby bodia who used to play for the mets one of his teams with the mets mets marlins and stuff um anyway uh every june 16th june june 16th um he gets a million dollars uh from uh the uh the mets and okay. his his contract was restructured so many times that they're they're still paying him for like another five six years. Hmm. Very similar to what uh, what happened with Troy Aikman and the Dallas Cowboys. So mean, okay, okay, yeah. So it's the same, but yeah, that was. Oh, you mean they part. sucked after he left? Right. Yeah. You're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> and now, speaking of the Cowboys, did you hear old uh, Jerry Jones is in some legal troubles? That yeah. doesn't shock me, but no. Yeah. Yeah, apparently yeah. he was paying um, uh, one of his baby mama's um, hush money to keep yeah. quiet that there's a kid involved. And I guess the kid was like, no. I'm Jerry old. Jones is no spring chicken. No, no. Is this a kid or a kid? <laughs> I, that's one of those skeevy. It's one of those things like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's love child that's half Hispanic and he looks like a chubby Hispanic. <laughs> 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 yeah. you know, i'm just saying like oh that I, I just, I just, uh, i'm not clicking on that headline i, I don't want to know <laughs> i don't either but you know it is it is i, I it is 
an unplanned coinky dink hmm. that we would open the show talking about baseball and bats because oh. we are here today to talk about the Batman. That's right. We're actually a long, 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 long way from da na 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 na. Do we do na 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 na, or do we sing something in the way? Well, I can't do the needle drop as well as flawlessly as uh, Matt Reeves. Right. But, you know, I I did finish watching that movie and I was like, man, I, one, cannot get the dong, 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 out of my head. And also, I really want to listen to some Nirvana. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, right. I mean, the the... Either one of these things in and of their own selves is not a bad thing. Right. Um, I do think, and I mean, I guess, you know what? Let's, screw it. We're, we're already here. Let's just talk about the music and the score in the Batman, Mike. Sure. Um, sure. <laughs> there's Melon. I, I said it's a weird ass place to start, right? But Matt Reeves is really good with needle drops. Yeah. Like in terms of tone and atmosphere or something in the way, mm -hmm. even if he did use it, more you know i think he used it what at two different points in the movie mm -hmm. yeah yeah i felt like the second time was maybe a maybe should have been a different song i don't know maybe he was going for some sort of resonance or symmetry or something i, I don't know um but i thought it was a wonderful song choice no like absolutely a good, a good needle drop in a movie can really enhance it mm -hmm. and in the alternative it can be used to pad a movie with um uh, lots of like montages and crap like that. Right. And that this was definitely not that like it, the choice of when and where to do the needle drops for the, the soundtrack in this movie was very, very deliberate mm -hmm. and it sh to me was really reflective of uh, just those, those very deliberate choices that Reeves was making throughout. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that it's one of those things that matches with, with everything in the movie that I think worked beautifully with the cinematography and just the environment and the landscapes and such you know and the thing is this song came out of nowhere yeah zero, zero. Like, i was not expecting that song right right and if anyone says oh i knew no no you didn't, you didn't. You, you, face off. <laughs> yeah you know you, you you could understand like you could say oh come as you are okay yeah okay grot we heard yeah, that. right 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 <laughs> Yeah, or you hear like heart-shaped box like on a jukebox somewhere. Okay, we get it. Ha ha ha. But nowhere, nowhere, um, would would out of nowhere would you ever think that something in the way the last song on that record is going to be played in a movie, especially in a comic book movie, mm -hmm. maybe in a drama. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm a non you know comic book drama movie type. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, like um, Garden State Part Two. That's a movie I would expect to hear that song in, right? right. Or, or like you know, they reboot High Fidelity or something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and you and I are big music nerds, Mike. So I know we can both appreciate a, a good soundtrack. Um, yeah, and you know, good, you know sure. yeah, yeah. And I mean, like I said, when done right, the soundtrack has an absolute enhancement to the movie. And if and when it's done really really right you get guardians of the galaxy where the the songs and deliberate song choices are part of the story and help tell the story right i was just um, about to say it almost can take over the story and where yeah. you don't even 
you know, and I, I can't say I can't say that the soundtrack for the Batman mm-hmm. was at that level, but it was still very, very good. Um, the score itself was really, really good. It was very powerful. Um, I don't think it was on the level of the Christopher Nolan movies. And my my biggest thing, my biggest reason for saying that mm-hmm. is it kept coming back to the over and over and over. And I'm like, okay, I get it. This is really heavy, really important stuff. But eventually they overdid it to the point where I was like, okay, guys, really, I'm... A little bit of a hard time with this now. Well, I think like I don't know. Maybe it's because I kind of took it as like um, like the theme for Halloween or like yeah, it has that quality to it. That real that real simplicity, right? And I think just with that, especially like in the beginning, where you know the the um the uh the, the, the the criminals we'll call them. Uh, you know, they were looking in the dark, you know, and they were looking for him and yeah. you know, like that fit, you know, and especially like, like, I think there was one miss. Um, I think it's when uh, Kravitz and Pattons, Pattinson first got together. And like, I think they tried to inject that, that dun dun. And I'm like, down a balcony, they're kind of talking like that's, yeah. okay, you know, but yeah. But overall, I think the score was, um, wasn't the bad. Score good. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I just, I kind of wish those, those, it, it hadn't quite beat me over the head so much. Right. That's However, fair. I will say, and um, I do not have, um, oh gosh, What's I, I don't have in front of me um, who composed the score. So if anybody out there wants to jump in and throw that out mm-hmm. there, I'm all ears or eyes, I guess I should say, oh, but hey. um, oh, all cast and crew. There we go. It was not composed by Lenny Kravitz. Um, <laughs> that would actually be hilarious. That would have been awesome. That would have been awesome in a completely different movie. Michael um, Giacchino. Okay, Michael Giacchino. Well, let's see what else he's done because he's interesting and he clearly took some cues. Mm-hmm. Oh, he composed Up, Ratatouille, and the new Star Wars. Ooh, Rogue One. Yes, sir. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I got it. Oh. Yeah, um, <laughs> hands off. All right, this guy knows his stuff. This yeah. guy knows his shit. Yeah, I... <laughs> um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I mean, okay, definitely. So, okay, uh, that says a lot about the about the the quality of the score or of it. Um, and just there was something else he did, and he really borrowed it well from the Nolan movies right. and the music there, which was that that holding that single note. To really stretch out the tension of a moment, that type thing. Yeah, and darkness of the whole movie. I mean, yeah, it it, it, it totally fit the movie. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I really, really liked that. I mean, and honestly, on a technical level, there's not not much about the Batman I didn't like. It's a gorgeous ass movie. I think that some of Matt Reeves' choices with making basically 96 percent of the movie be at night yeah and then right at the end <laughs> major spoilers when uh the batman decides <laughs> that he has to be a symbol for hope as well as vengeance um then then you know and now it's daylight like that's kind of heavy-handed um <laughs> but 
God dang, the technical side of this, the cinematography, oh, the uh, cinematography, the lighting, uh, just the general camera work. I mean, damn. Yeah. Yeah. That, this that is... shot, that upside down shot of him walking towards the penguin. Yes. That is, there's a reason that that shot is everywhere right now. This, if there's, you know? if this movie doesn't pull in for cinematography, score, makeup, um, when it comes to war time, um, what about makeup? I, I don't, I mean, I mean, the, like, I don't know, man. I, the makeup in the and didn't grab me, really. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, and I mean, I think when we talk about makeup in this instance, we're mostly talking about um, Colin Farrell as the penguin, right? Fair, yeah. I mean, as for the as, most part, yeah. for the most part, most like, to me, right um. It almost wasn't garish enough to be the penguin, but that's being extremely nitpicky. Like he looked good. Yeah. But it's also uh, you can take in, I mean, and one of the aspects of the movie that I really, really absolutely appreciated and enjoyed was Reeves took these characters, these these characters that have been around, you know, 70 plus years, you know, and it's like you revamped them, but you still made them cool and interesting, you know, and it worked. And with the penguin, I don't 100 percent agree with the working part, but we'll get to, with one okay. character in particular. But we're gonna uh, we'll get we'll get around to him. And so with the makeup, it, you know, he didn't automatically you know, get, you know he had to, like, had the nose, but he you know mm -hmm. he didn't have the the campy nose, and he right. you know, wasn't yeah. trying to to bring in like you know oh well we saw. You know, Danny DeVito's penguin. I was gonna say he'd have to, like, you're, you know, you see a live action penguin, and we're conditioned to think Danny DeVito or or Burgess Meredith. You know, or and Burgess I, Meredith. Yeah, to take it when way back. Talking about the Riddler, I got a funny note about a review I read after the movie where uh -huh. someone compared, like, they wanted to see like a mix up of um, Jim Carrey and Frank Gorshin of of a Riddler, and I'm going, well, well, huh? Uh, for this type of well, I don't think so because I don't. It just we'll we'll get to we'll get to the Riddler, but yeah, I just think, I have some feelings about the Riddler. And if, if they're not amazing, then you know we might as well just go ahead and cut you know cut the show now. No, we should definitely talk. My, we should talk through my feelings. Okay, well, my <laughs> feelings. Um, but no, back on the uh, the penguin. But I think that you know he had the little limp and you know, he was yeah. just. So he just, I don't know. I mean, you see him and you think, yeah. okay, penguin. Sure. Um, but he, there's, of course, the jokes and the joke memes going around that's like, why didn't they just, why'd they go with Colin Farrell when they could have just gotten Richard Kind? And that's <laughs> why did, funny. I, mean, I mean, there's truth to that meme, though. There's definite truth to that. Yeah. Um, they a bunch of money on makeup. True that. True that. Yeah. But listen, Colin Farrell. He is super underappreciated, man. He is oh, yeah. a fantastic yeah. actor. Um, he's been doing these sort of chameleon roles for a long ass while now. Yeah. Um, and just really like you remember, you remember how it was when he first started getting big in the early 2000s and he was the new pretty boy. Oh, he's the next Brad Pitt. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. And then his 
you know, his career kind of imploded for a while because he got typecast into those types of roles. And then he just got really quiet for a while and started doing all of this underground-y stuff. I mean, in Bruges, I think. Did you see in Bruges? A who? Gazoon type. I think I may be mispronouncing it. In Bruges, I-N and then separately B-R-U-G-E-S. Um, mm-hmm. okay, it's cool. It's a crime movie that you should yeah. absolutely see. And it was the it was a movie I watched, and I was like, oh wow, this dude is really actually very good. Um, he's more than just a pretty face. Um, unfortunately, he was in the total recall recall remake, which is not good for an M. But mm-hmm. you know, he's also in stuff like uh Winner's Tale and The Lobster. And killing of the sacred deer, and I mean all of this stuff. That's like okay, man can act, really can. Yeah. So like people, people, I think really typecast Colin Farrell a long time ago, and he broke out of it, and I don't think anybody realized it. And because movies like The Lobster are just are not mainstream movies yeah. at all. Well, and I think. But, I'm telling you, he's out there, and at some point, he's going to win an Oscar, and he's going to completely deserve it. No, and he deserves it now. And I think with if any actor, um, any really any person in the in the spotlight, be it an athlete or an actor, what have you, anytime they can kind of take their own career in their own or hands. Or REM. Or REM. <laughs> Don't mess with REM, sir. Dude. Is that in the spotlight? I couldn't resist. Oh. I'll mess with REM. Anyway, um, messing me up, man. Sorry. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit. Well, now I want to listen to REM. Uh, or at least dance around like Michael Stipe for the podcast people. I mean, Neither one of us have the build to be Michael Stipe. Doesn't matter if we get viewers on the show. Oh, we lost a viewer. Someone doesn't like REM. Oh. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They were like, violent films for life. Woo! <laughs> listen to them at lunch. Anyway. Um, oh, nice. But no, I think anytime uh, someone in the spotlight can kind of take control of their own career and not really worry about, you know, this tabloid, that tabloid, this new station, whatever, and kind of almost reinvent themselves. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Like, like, like Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Oh. Let's just go there. Because because that that's, that's there was more hate for this casting than there was the initial Heath Ledger announcement as the Joker. Right. And most of everybody, the vampire guy, the sparkly vampire guy. Have you seen literally anything he's done since the Twilight movies? Because my, my he's man done grew up. a lot my man grew up. Yeah. from that dang franchise. And good on him. Yeah. Right. Because as it turns out, he's a much, much to nobody's surprise. Uh, he's a much better actor than the, uh, Twilight movies would have you believe. Yeah. I mean, look, man was my man was in Tenet, mm-hmm. and and he was in the Lighthouse. It's good. And I mean, Good Time. God, that's a dark ass movie. Um, just all this crazy. Oh, Cosmopolis. That was the other one. Okay. Um. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. David Cronenberg. It's not mm-hmm. his best, but it's it's still really good. And it shows a lot of range for Pattinson, especially in 2012 coming right out of twilight. But, um, well, you know, twilight and, and not to not, I'm not, and I don't mean this as a clown, but you know, twilight was such a, a niche 
kind of audience. You know what I'm saying? And I'm nine-year-old girls and my wife. Yeah. Okay. One, I didn't say that. I just said niche audience. I said that in a nice way. Yeah, you're going to be in so much trouble after the show. She's loving me off right now. Um, <laughs> but no, and 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 I I honestly mean that in a very positive, very nice way. But coming, it had out, a very very specific target audience, right? But and then somehow blew up way beyond that audience. Mm-hmm. Well, it, which is weird. Well, I'm I'm not going to lie. Those movies are not good. Well, I'm not worried about the movies, but those soundtracks to like all three movies, yeah. Yeah, they're in the next room. It's it's some some pretty rad shit on that on those. Uh, All right, is it though? Yeah, I'm gonna take your word for it. Yeah, buddy, some good alternative uh, indie stuff on those. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. I mean, my, hey, my my CDs glow when I when I play them, but it's still pretty good. You, stuff. Are you sure that's not sparkles? <laughs> it is sparkles. Hey, every I, you know you can sparkle. Listen to Death Cab for Cutie. It's cool. <laughs> but I mean the the the. I gotta, I gotta give whoever was in charge of casting for this movie a lot of props for taking that calculated risk of putting Robert Pattinson in this role. Um, I didn't like his stupid emo hair. We're gonna just put that out there. Well, you know, look, look, look. I didn't like it. That's just a choice of me. Sure, and let, uh, let me add uh, this uh, nugget now because of his age at the time. That's uh, not going to tell me who, who ran casting for the movie. Um, anyway, um, but if you take it, it, you know, it's a year two story, so he's not going to, and it's a, it's you know, it's set in current day, so he's what, we'll say 20, 28, 29, 30, right in there. You want to go late twenties? Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking. Well, okay, year two. Yeah, okay, twenty five ish, twenty six, right about there. Mid twenty. You know, and yeah, I mean, so I, I, and. Another thing, what I another thing that I loved about this movie was the casting, it and the casting it w- was just perfect for the timeline. It was perfect for the environment, and it it just really reflected very well on the story, and 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 the actors and actresses, the cast played their parts ex- exceptionally well. I so I was, I have a okay. So casting aspect aside, and overcoming perceptions aside yeah i did have an issue with the fact that pattinson's bruce wayne to Mm -hmm. me just felt kind of empty he's just kind of there staring a lot um could that be like a mental aspect i don't know that's the problem (laughs) but the problem i had and this was probably my biggest struggle with the whole movie right is I have if I don't care about Bruce Wayne, it's harder for me to care about his struggles becoming Batman. Like there's stuff in there, like sure. when he jacks up that la- that uh, landing and he hits the sign and he falls yeah. and hurts himself. I loved that because that's a Batman that's still learning how to be Batman. He's right. really vulnerable, but we don't really see that reflected so much on the Bruce Wayne side of it. And um, one of the things that Nolan and uh, Christian Bale really, really got right was getting inside Bruce Wayne's head and truly conveying, like, this is a guy with serious freaking emotional trauma right. and baggage, and it's reflected in the way that he's he is Batman, even when he's growling at people. And so terrible. I just didn't get that same sense and i know it's not fair to compare 
the two different actors' performances. And I so I don't I want to be careful to note that I'm not trying to do that, but like there was just something about about Pattinson that made it hard for me to connect to him. What about what he was like? It was as though his he was given the direction, Mm -hmm. you're Batman 24-7. And that strips the humanity out of Batman to me. I'm I, I get where you're going, and there was time. Talking out my ass. What's that? Am I? Does that make sense? Am I talking out my ass? It, it makes perfect <laughs> sense because at, there was times in the movie where, um, it, you know, much like you, you almost have to care about both. You you have to care about Bruce Wayne and you have to care about Batman. You know, because they are the same character in a sense, yes. right? Um, and they both have their own internal struggles. You know, I I think they're two different types of struggles, re- realistically. Um, but like, I think in like the first scene when he's in the Batcave, and you know him and Alfred, like that part was kind of okay. As much as I love Andy Serkis, I was like, yeah, part's kind of flat. But in the hospital, when Andy Serkis is in the hospital, and he finds out in Bruce or you know however you want to put it, finds out you know the truth about his his dad and everything, you know just that look at his face, I really. For me, that was the part that I was like, okay, I think I like I like how he's playing this part of Bruce Wayne, you know. And, you, and I, I definitely think- liked that from a plot aspect, right. where he's I, like, oh wow, my parents weren't perfect people, right? And I because, think that's I mean, helping it, him, with, yeah, just mentally with that. And I think right there, that's where it clicked for me that Pattinson really, I I think he played a a. a a solid Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I need to see the movie a second time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I will, it was a good movie. Right. Um, I didn't dislike the movie. Um, I do think it was too long, but oh, <laughs> that's just me. Uh, they could have cut stuff, but I, I don't know. I, I still, you know, you and I are the same age. So, you know, Keaton, mm-hmm. He's our first bat. He's our first Batman, right? He set the standard. He's number you've one. Got, okay, you've got Val Kilmer. You've got George Clooney for whatever reason. And um, Kilmer has his fans. I don't think Clooney has any fans. But then you get to Christian Bale. And it's like, oh, wow. This is so this is working for me on the same level as a 20 and early 30 something year old that Keaton as Batman did when I was a kid. It's mm-hmm. it's like feels fundamentally Batman to me in a way that these other actors did not like, this is when I was a kid and I had Batman, that was cool. But now I'm an adult and this is the Batman I want. Does that make sense? Sure. And it was, it was, it was different in tone. The Nolan movies, obviously from Mm -hmm. the Tim Burton ones. And I mean, for God's sake, it was the best theatrical reclamation you've ever seen. Um, considering there was only eight years between Batman and Robin and Batman Begins. Right. So that that's that to me is crucial in how I relate to Batman on film. So it taking you know, being utterly objective about it in my perspectives and opinions, I think that's part of why I'm having a harder time like gripping if you will, the Pat, the Battinson, because he's not speaking to me in that ev- same evolutionary sense 
okay. that those other two actors were. That's now, fair. I say that. I'm right. an old-ass 41-year-old, and I mean, so it goes, right? right. They're, they're, we're, we're, not the, we're, not, we're, we're not the market anymore. We're not the coveted 18 to 35 demo. No, we are not. We are there, not. there is a lot of huge boot fans of this movie mm-hmm. 20 years younger than us. Sure. And, and that's, uh, and that's- at the site. He's, I think, 22, he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, he loved it. My son, he's 21. He mm-hmm. absolutely loved it. This movie's pulling in money. It's clearly yeah. clicking. As it well, should. I, I accept that I'm a little bit of an outlier in some of my more opinions mm-hmm. of it. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, are, there's certainly things that, okay, did we have to go grim and dark again? I don't, I hesitate to say grim dark because I don't feel like it quite crossed into the line of, oh, I don't know, Batfleck branding people. But, um, yeah, we just skipped right over him, didn't we? Don't worry. <laughs> um, mm, I have serious feelings about that one. But um, it, it's a dark movie. And as it should, because, I mean, and once again, I think you you take a, what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the year two Batman. We're dealing with him obviously being young, and they're playing into that. And so I think, once again, that aspect of a younger crowd, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 ushering in a new generation, you know. And I, I think I can I can get behind that. Yeah, um, and I think especially with the mental aspect again of Bruce Wayne, and not only Bruce Wayne trying to figure out Bruce Wayne, we have Batman trying to figure out Batman, you know. And I don't think that message that point comes across. If he's running around, and it doesn't even have to be in the daytime, but if if it's bright and cheerful, you know, even like with like the you know like with um like with Batman Returns and Batman the other stuff where you got a lot, you got maybe like half and half of Bruce and Batman, where Bruce was you know is you know whining and dining the women, and he's hosting parties, and he's doing this and yada yada yada. I don't think we get the same Bruce Wayne in this movie if we, we you know and, and i yeah like that was that was reeve's take was right. kind of the reclusive fallen prince of the city right and we definitely see that play out uh throughout the movie um it's just really different and look, i love the fact that reeve said from the outset of the, the making of this movie right. you know one thing we've really never seen one aspect we've never truly focused on in about Batman in film is the fact that he's the world's greatest detective. And I want to mind that. And I got to respect the hell out of him for doing that because that brings Batman back down to the ground. Right. right? Particularly. And I mean, look, the, the, the Batfleck era, you know, whatever it's, it is definitely removed from world's greatest detective, right? Like it is pure, superhero adrenaline yeah i mean that's you know what if that's what you want cool if you enjoy yeah, those if, movies, you want to see and hey you know what all things being equal i don't mind seeing that mm-hmm. out of a batman okay, watch batman beat up some dudes yeah. um let see for me batfleck reminds me of like dudes that go to the gym and grunt when they're lifting weights and they listen to hate breed 
you know? And it's like, I, you know, I, I've seen Hatebreed numerous times. They're, they're a fine band, but Batfleck is definitely for the gym bros. That's it. That's it. I get that out because that's just like the best visual ever. Um, you're not wrong either. Think about it. You know, I mean, as much as I, I didn't now I gotta say, um, I wasn't opposed to, um, once, once we got past the, he's freaking branding people aspects of it. I wasn't opposed, which is, let's, let's face it, is all Snyder, not Affleck. Um, not the S word. <laughs> right. But, I mean, once you get beyond that stuff, like yeah. just his performance as Batman, he's fine. Actually, as an older a little over the hill Batman. I actually didn't like didn't dislike him in that role at all. I don't know. And I just from that perspective. Yeah. But um, see, I just, well, there's a lot of other things, bro. That's a whole nother episode we and we, we don't have time to can we talk the Snyder Cut. Next episode, can we talk about like Batman being the role of a uh, Ben Affleck and Daisy Confused and yes, running on with yes, the paddle? Absolutely. As Batman beating on freshmen. <laughs> I'm vengeance. Here's a paddle. Oh. <laughs> and Nightwing, played by Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Bloodhaven. Yeah. case? No. If you did. But oh, sorry. Dog down there. Um, I just kicked him in the head on accident. But um. <laughs> You know, getting uh, unpacking all the Battens and stuff. I mean, when he was out there, like doing Batman stuff, looked good. No, he's badass. Yeah, he's a badass. And I love the way that the way that Reeves uses the the shadows and the just the camera to really make it clear. Like people are shitting their pants with fear. When they see the bat signal, did you? That's effective. <laughs> yeah, I, like, did you get? Um, and I don't mean to bring up. I don't mean to bring up another Halloween reference, but I really thought that when Pattinson was a bat was in as as Batman, he really mm-hmm. had a Michael Myers type of walk, to where he 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 whooped ass. And then people were running, but he's just steadily walking at a at a pace. Yeah, catching up to people, and yep. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I that was very much a Michael Myers move. He, Good he call on that one, right? Because it's like, and I'm sitting here in a theater, and I instantly caught that, and I'm just like, and maybe because I'm just a Halloween stand, if you will. No, yeah, you are, but that's okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I was just like, wow. Even part very... six. What's that? Even part six. <sighs> Is that the Rob Zombie stuff? No, that's the one that was before the Rob Zombie stuff. Cool. After H2O, I think. H2O was okay. It's whatever craptastic one came after H2O. I forget the ty- exact title of it. Oh, uh, that was uh, Resurrection. With, yeah, uh, that's the one that everyone was like, woo! Uh, that's... Yeah. Woo. yeah. You got that? Well, it, I'll tell you what. On uh, October 31st time this year, we will devote a whole episode to Hall- talking about Halloween. Ooh, giggity. Yeah. Giggity. That's right, baby. <laughs> um, but 
the, the this the Batman <laughs> is absolutely in his in his zone mm-hmm. in this movie. Like he Absolutely. looks like he fits in this dark, dark, very world. comfortable, very, very comfortably. Like yeah, yeah. So I'm very interested to see, you know, two to three years from now when the sequel comes out. Yeah, how they adapt because now we're coming into the sunlight. Mm-hmm. And Batman knows he's got to be more than just vengeance. Um, Look at my name. Look at my name. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> that's great. Um, he's got to be more than that. He needs to be a symbol of some sort. Like, what is that going to look like? That's really mm-hmm. intriguing to me, especially the way that they teed up um, the villain for the next movie. And I, mm-hmm. um, whomever that may or may not be. But um, man, I just got to say, and I'm going to get off my soapbox on this because I want to talk about Zoe Kravitz and how much I just loved her as Catwoman. But, well, pre-Catwoman, I guess. Okay. Um, it Did we need another gritty, dark Batman movie? Yes, because no. I think initially to get Batman off the ground, it has to be dark and gritty. Okay has to be and now what makes a good batman franchise is what you do with it and movies two three whatever how many ever you want to put on there um and it's it's all about character development you know i can okay you know it like for me like i've kind of kind of i think we talked about this before like i i don't want them to just you know movie you know the second movie oh here's joker and they already have beef and he's a conference crime. He's been doing all da, da, da. that kills what you just did in the first movie. Well, and you know, to be honest, well, setting up the Joker for the sequel with a tease at the end. We've but, seen that. What well, we have, we have, but I'm how not hundred percent sold that there are teas this time is actually supposed to be the Joker, but they clearly want us to think it's the Joker. Right. And the thing is, if you look at like the tease and you look at the cut scene and you look how this movie is built, this is a very, this could easily be an MCU movie. This is the first DC movie. I believe modern wise that this has an MCU formula. This could be the DCU Iron Man. Think about it. You know, DC's main problem, DC's main problem is they don't lock these actors and actresses up for multiple movies. So then they, you know, if they, they, you know, they rush Paul Dano out and do what I think is immaculate job at the Riddler. And then all of a sudden, uh, hush, um, (laughs) all of a sudden, you know, we're four movies into this, uh, you know, this franchise and the only one left is Pattinson. You know, or you bring in another Joker or, you know, you, you cameo a Joker, but it's not Paul Dano. And it's like, well, what are we doing? You know, yeah, but yeah. this really has like an Iron Man and a Thor feel to okay. it. I, you know what? I can I can respect that. I yeah, hadn't considered and, that, but that's actually a pretty interesting idea. You know, and I don't know and I haven't read. I don't know about contracts. I don't know if if they're signed on for two or three movies. Obviously, Pattinson at least is going to do two or three. Yeah. Um, but like with Kravitz and Dano and, um, you know, Farrell, um, you, I, I don't know. But the thing is, you know, DC really has to start locking these ca- characters up. Otherwise, it's going to be. Well, they certainly look like they're going to bring Paul Dano back for the sequel. Hopefully. Hopefully. 
uh, or Dano, however you pronounce I think it's Dano, though. You're right. I go with Dano. Dano. Uh, yeah. Book him, Dano. Do. Um, so, and I think you're right. Um, because one of the, I read an interview with Matt Reeves um, mm-hmm. at the back of the DC books that came out. And, you know, these, these little interviews that they put at the back of the Warner Brothers produced DC comics are always very just um, <laughs> self-serving. Advertising, whatever. But one of the things he caught me that I, I read this after I saw the Batman. And one of the things that caught my attention that kind of made me rethink some of my views is that just like Batman is kind of still learning and growing because he's in his year two phase, his rogues gallery are also kind of in embryonic stages, right? Yes. So we see Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, but she's not quite Catwoman yet. We see the Penguin and he's okay. He's Oz or Ozzy, whatever they called him. Um, and he's penguin ish, but he's not there. He's not the guy yet. He's number two. Right. Um, and I I mean, two, I think it's a little harder to, to, to bend it this way, but I mean, you could probably make a case, excuse me, make a case for the Riddler starting off as a, a, a knockoff from seven Mm-hmm. Um, and, or with with a little QAnon twist thing I, happening I got, there. Yeah, I got uh, you picked up on that and, too, right? And, and and perhaps you know over the course of a movie or two, uh, morphing into something resum a little bit more resembling the Riddler that we know and love. Sure, sure. Um, I and like I said, I I it looks like for all intents and purposes they're going to bring Paul Dano back for the sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be very curious to see what that looks like yeah and and, that's and my what... biggest gripe with him is is not necessarily paul dano himself mm-hmm. but the choice that they made to turn him and his plot and the way that the mystery unfolded basically into seven but with batman <laughs> it is paul reeves um Matt reeves. But, you know huh with it's what who's that you said it is i thought i missed i thought i heard something different Oh, I did. I did. I did. Well, Paul Reeves. I think you oh, meant Matt yeah. Reeves. Matt Reeves. Thank you. But um, David Fincher directed Seven. Did Finch do Seven? Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's what got him on the map. Gotcha. Okay, I, I messed that up. My bad. My bad. Did mm. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Hmm, I'm gonna have to fact check you on that one. I don't know. No, I'm sure you are. Anyway, um, but I I think with with uh with Dano's Riddler, I think that. Like you said, they're they're still they're they're infants. They're 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 still learning, you know. Yeah. And especially with the Riddler, I mean, he's a he's a he's psycho. Yeah. You know, I mean, his mind is is wired so differently that why not turn him into a, a Q type of you know entity, especially nowadays? Why not mix it up? You know. And I that, that was that was a fun part where they kind of weaved in some modern, you know, politicalness, uh, you know, modern political issues that you can kind of see. Oh, I yeah. See I mean, you that. can, and I, I really, this is actually one thing I wish they had done more with, and I can't say that, um, I can't say that about a lot of, mm. of the, the movie, like, gosh, I wish there'd just been more of this because there's like kind of the perfect amount of so many things, but they sort of, um, 
hint and hit on this idea that um, uh, there's there's an online QAnon-esque following for the Riddler, and it manifests itself with the snipers at the end, right? But we didn't quite see... Um, I don't know. I kind of would have liked to have explored more of, of what that looked like, like what the, or the analogy of, uh, of the Riddler followers plus, or as they relate to QAnon, um, would, would actually look like. Well, now what you could do, now what we could possibly see is now that he is in jail... Who's mm-hmm. to say his followers, his his legion, if you will, yeah, doesn't try to surface in his name, you know, in his honor, if you will, much like you know the end with you know all the snipers and all that stuff, right? When they went yeah. January sixth, um, that's another show. That's um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and you know, I, I think you, I. I don't know if you need it, but like you said, it would be nice because, like you said, what is interesting because because you the analogy was clearly there, and I just kind of would have liked to have seen more of it. Sure, yeah, Yeah, no, I I totally dig it. Yeah, because because it was an interesting part, and even I was like, are we going to see something? Because like, especially when we went into when they busted into his apartment and they found you know under the carpet and they had the map of you know Gotham and stuff like that. the movie wasn't there yet. Go. The movie was amazing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I was like, Oh, maybe we're, you know, I was hoping like, you know, his, his minions were going to like rush the apartment or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, we're going to have like a flood of, you know, these little, you know, timely Riddler people. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it never really manifest little green bowler hats. <laughs> yes. And domino masks. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That has to be it. Um, and again, like, the idea to take the Riddler in this direction is not, you know, it's the, it's a choice. You don't do that without knowing um, you're going to piss some people off. Mm-hmm. You're going to rub some people the wrong way because you're not giving them what they're expecting. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that for this world, mm-hmm. for this movie, this yeah. reality, this Gotham, it's not out of place. No. If you had tried to drop this version of the Riddler in literally of the any of the other Batman movies, including the Nolan ones, um, I, it just wouldn't have hit the same. No, horrible, horrible, Josh. Yeah, but then um, it goes back to what I was saying with Reeves earlier. Like, you know, these characters are so old. We've heard all these stories before. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong with cooking the same dish putting a little extra pepper in the soup there's nothing wrong with that no i, I yeah i totally i can get behind that but because you if can't you over season that much, you know what i'm saying you can't right. do it and it has to work and his his bold takes on like you know kravitz and penguin and all those cats no pun intended um nope you already said it <laughs> screwed it up um no i i think all those bold takes that he took with their with their direction absolutely work and fit into the particular Gotham environment that he wanted to, yeah. to execute. It's marvelous. Yeah, it really was. Yes, and I mean, that, that gets us down. That gets us at last to Zoe Kravitz who, um, man, she is just remarkable as a vulnerable, still learning Selena Kyle. And yeah. I mean, 
uh, obviously she comes from quite the uh, Hollywood elite power couple there, Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet. Um, those two crazy kids. Those two crazy kids. Uh, but man, like she's, I think she's got a really, really big career ahead of her. I mean, that she was, she was the star in that high fidelity TV show. She's about to bring up high fidelity. That's, that's uh-huh. so cool. Uh huh. Um, she's got that current show on called Kimmy that's getting a lot of great buzz. I mean, oh, she's, is that pretty? Have you seen it? I have not. Ooh. Oh, ha! I didn't even know this, but she voiced uh, Catwoman in the Lego yeah. Batman movie. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. So, and I mean, but, and I mean, she's just done all of these kind of smallish roles that are adding up to a good, solid resume. And I feel like. Um, oh, and she was Angel Salvatore in X-Men First Class. How weird is that? Um, really? Uh, yeah. Totally just random ran into that. But um, I think she's got a phenomenal career ahead of her because oh, anytime she is on the screen, mm-hmm. she freaking owns it. Yeah. Um, I, I got to say that much. You know what? I love Anne Hathaway as an actress. Uh, but she did not have that impact with me when she was Catwoman. Michelle Pfeiffer sure did and does. But um, like, there's something to the ability to transcend the previous actor or actress that you think of with the role and really make it your own. And I'm Zoe Kravitz just did that. No, absolutely. I mean, she was. She may have actually been my favorite part of that entire movie. To be perfectly honest with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I tell you what. In terms of like the actor, act and the acting side, I should say. Sure, I I would say. um, I I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. She was probably one of, if not the strongest, I think, portrayal. In order, in order to be Catwoman, like Catwoman's tricky because mm-hmm. she's got to be you know lethally badass mm-hmm. and sexy but not a sex pot if that right. makes sense right no like, it just has I mean, to be a, there has to be a cleverness and a vulnerability to her and well, and i think yeah, I mean, Kravitz just nailed it well i think in all of the best cat women if you will. And we can even lump in Eartha Kitt, Julia Newmar. Oh, we we it. Because um, I think the best cat women, if you will, cat women, mm-hmm. women, yes. yeah, women, on that? Um, yeah. they have to be comfortable being, once again, like we talked about Batman and Bruce Wayne, they have to be comfortable being Selena Kyle and Catwoman and almost comfortable mm-hmm. in their own skin, if you will, yeah. and kind of still have that being dominant but at the same time kind of lean back a little bit yeah not yeah completely just kind of oh no but like you know and speak up almost just you know not afraid to kind of take the reins kind of whoop some ass but at yeah. the same time go you know what i'm gonna put on some pumps in the evening out head up to waffle house and have a good time but you know. and i mean the, i think where they really <coughs> made made it work for me was the way that they introduced her as somebody that's concerned for her friend that immediately dials in a connection to humanity that you really you know anybody can relate to sure oh my gosh you know yeah instead of 
meow. You know, <laughs> uh, right off the bat, like instead, and they he got, he got to deliberately dial in on her humanity first, right? And um, yeah, that that was just kick ass. Um, I wish they had done something a little different with the costume, other than a torn ski mask. But um, think about doing that with like that gets back, <laughs> right? I love it. That gets back though to the whole the the characters are in an embryonic state, right? Right. So I can be down with that. Um, and, yeah. Go ahead. What I and and another aspect of what I loved about the character development of the movie was. We didn't get Catwoman. We got Selena Kyle first. We didn't get the Riddler right up front. You know, we was he was yeah. kind of into, we didn't know who was looking in the windows and stuff like that. We just didn't get like, oh, the Riddler's on a crime spree. Here comes Batman. Da, 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 da. You know, um, and yeah, we got a struggling Batman. You know, like yeah. who am I? Am I? Am I this? Am I vengeance? Am I Bruce Wayne? You know, and it definitely like they definitely hit the vengeance word over the head a little much throughout that well movie. at least he didn't have that grotesque bale growl you know <laughs> oh i need care for the batmobile <laughs> you know no cheese in my burger oh i am the knight you know it's like dude you're gonna you're gonna scratch your throat you know give him a fucking lozenge or something Shit. <laughs> but, you know yeah i just think the character to, you know and i'm gonna go on a on a huge limb all the Batman movies, Mass of Phantasm, it doesn't matter. However, you're rating Batman movies because I know yeah. Mass of Phantasm is, is, is well, and I, that's good that you bring that up. But go ahead because we're talking year two stuff. I'm I I will go on a limb and say I think this is the best character development we've seen in a Batman movie. I can't agree with you on that. Ooh. And it comes down. I it comes down to the my inability to disc to connect to him as Bruce Wayne. Okay. And Batman. That's fair. Sure. That's fair. I'll take that. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not outright saying that you're wrong. Your opinion is stupid about like just my perspective on, it. but if we're talking about an MCU type approach over three films where we watch him grow and evolve as a character, um, I can have a really different opinion by the end of that trilogy. Sure. Sure. So, I mean, I'm down, I'm, I'm down with that. Um, that for now <laughs> uh i'm really i really am excited to see what they can do with this world i would like to see a little bit more of an expanded role for um jeffrey wright as gordon who i really liked brilliant I, I gordon, right? it. um i wasn't sure like i don't i'm not familiar with him as an actor um not really not like i probably yeah, same I, I had to look him up <laughs> right um, you don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that like in a, oh, who is Oh, that? yeah. I mean, I just, like, I'm, I was struggling to think, like, well, I'm sure I've seen him in something. I just don't know what. So, <laughs> but, um, I mean, he's, okay, he's on Westworld, and he voiced The Watcher on What If, and Destiny on the Sandman mm -hmm. podcast, and, um Let's, I mean, he's been in lots of things. Oh, he was in, oh, that's his big claim to fame. Boardwalk Empire. Oh, okay. That, that was the big claim to fame. Okay. Yeah. And he's been in some other things, but that's the main one. Um. So, yeah, like, 
I, I liked him and I would like to see more of, of him in the next one, especially if we're going to keep this on a ground floor, relative ground floor um, detective based level, because yeah. I just loved that. They had like, they, they, Matt Reeves did not fuck around with origin stuff. It's like, Hey kids, here's Gordon. Here's Batman. They trust each other. Mm-hmm. Go. Right. And, it, and they've that's, got a shorthand. Right. And that's what works. And that's what, once again, I, I, you know, like I said before, I just, the, the development, it was so nice to get a comic book movie where you didn't just have people and they were just running around and shit was already happening and you're going, yeah. Okay. Well then halfway through the movie, now you want to give us an origin story. Like, dude, we're already an hour and a half into this. And that's what I like we know that these yeah. characters, Mike, are so um they're so they're such strong archetypes and they're so well sewn into public consciousness, we don't freaking need his origin again. No, right? We don't. We, we don't. just don't. We and I'm so yeah. glad that they chose to jump in at year two and mm-hmm. take aspects of um long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of the de facto year two, um, even though it's technically yeah. in Elseworlds. But in my heart, it'll be more year two than the actual year two story. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, God, who doesn't love Long Halloween? Uh-huh. But um, the, the that basic story there, like of the traditional mob, the Carmine Falcones of the world, right. falling by the wayside as freak villains and the penguins and jokers and two faces of the world rise up because they don't know how to adapt to this new world is. I love that. That's an evergreen premise. Uh, It almost, it makes me extremely sad that they did away with John Turturro's Carmine Falcone because he was great. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping they, they could have put any, uh, any Italian American actor from like a mob movie in that role and just had generic mob boss guy. Right. But instead they just let John Turturro who frankly after over the course of five or six transformers movies, I think we all forgot this, that they just let him act mm-hmm. and he did a wonderful job. He really owned every scene he was in. And I mean, when he, he stood toe to toe there with Zoe Kravitz, Two actors that are just dominating any scene that they're in, and they're going out. I mean, that is that is great stuff. Truly, truly, yeah, it was, yeah. So, I mean, hats off to everybody involved. I get that the tone is not necessarily my thing. I think we could have done ground level detective Batman without necessarily going dark and gritty as we did, but if to what you were saying, this is an evolutionary process over two more films ish. Um, cool. Let's yeah. see where it goes. Yeah. And the thing is, is one thing that um, I hope they, they build on is, is not being afraid of, you know, giving the Riddler his own movie and then cameoing, you know, Batman, but keeping Pattinson or, you know, say they introduce say. Two Face is the villain for movie two. Mm-hmm. So maybe they don't make a Batman three; they make a Two Face movie, 
they break Riddler out of jail or the, you know, Pattinson makes a Batman game, something like that. Something that Marvel does where they'll do a Thor, you know, and here's Iron Man. It's just a cameo. Yeah. Things of that. And he dips in and he dips out. Yeah. You know, put some teeth on it. You know, in fairness, um, Warner brothers did kind of try to do that with the original suicide squad movie. When Batfleck showed up briefly, remember that? They did. Yeah. They tried, but my God, that movie's a dumpster fire. Um, so, and, it's, and it's a bad script for a Joker. You know, my my soapbox on the Jared Leto Joker is a whole other episode. <laughs> that was low hanging fruit. I I, 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 fruit. I know how you feel about the Jared Leto Joker. I took a little poke on that one, right? <laughs> I did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that whole thing was like, oh god. But you know what, though? You know what was really... Well, you know the best thing about the Jared Leto uh, Suicide Squad thing was? It also gave us Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Well, that too. Even better, he looked great on a t-shirt at Hot Topic. Hot Topic Joker, baby. And with that in mind, I don't think we have any worry whatsoever of Hot Topic Joker showing up in Matt Reeves' The Batman Trilogy. Damn it. Um... Yeah, I'm super, I, I really am super interested to um, see where this these these movies go because they are separate from the DCEU. They're their own thing. Um, and I mean, I actually, I kind of have to say, like, just sitting here talking with you, talking through my feelings on this movie, I actually, I guess I have more positive feels about it than I, I realized. So um, this was therapeutic. No, you talked through my feelings, and and I came out feeling way better about life, and about Batman, and about the Batman. So yeah, glad I could Um, help. I'm glad you could help. You're always a positive influence, Mike. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh. Well, Mike, that's our hour and change. Um, I know, right? We just talked our way right through that silly thing. So, guys, um. You know, ne- next next week we'll be back for more. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, there's no nuclear incidents in Ukraine between now and then. Uh, you know, the world is full of a lot of crappy things, but it doesn't have to be. So get out there, um, read something good, support your local comic book store, and above all, just be kind to each other. Until then, this is Mike. I'm Matt. We're the Comic Watchers, and this is our show. Thank you so very much, and mm-hmm. we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.